Amen. Well, you have no idea what to expect right now, right? <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to try to speak slowly today. Um, although, you know, Nathan reminded me before I came up a minute ago that he hit 26 minutes for his sermon uh, two weeks ago. Kendall told me I had to go at least 25 so I'm going to try to fit it somewhere right in that narrow margin uh, today. Well, my, my name is Blake Russell. I'm the worship pastor here at Fredonia Hill, um, filling in for Kendall while he's on sabbatical. An interesting story, when I was on sabbatical a year and a half ago, uh, w- one of the things that we like to do when we're on sabbatical is to go visit some other churches. We don't get that opportunity very often. And one of the churches that I had on my target list was uh, Dr. Tony Evans's church, up in the DFW area. But unfortunately, it was in the middle, it was the height of the pandemic, and a lot of churches weren't meeting together just yet, and so I wasn't able to uh, go see him preach. Luckily, a couple weeks ago, Dr. Tony Evans was in Nacogdoches uh, uh, giving a a message at uh, an event that I was able to attend in in, uh, our church. We had a couple tables there, and I was excited to go and just hear him teach and just enjoy a really good meal and just be taken care of. Uh, didn't realize at the time that our church actually played a role in the service. Um, Kendall was supposed to, uh, at the conclusion of Tony Evans's sermon, he was supposed to pray. And, uh, well, Kendall was on sabbatical. And, and, and Kendall told him, well, we've got the next best thing. And he put my name out there. And so uh, I was like, okay, that was a little more than I bargained for for uh, this event. You know, it's like Dr. Tony Evans. And I'm praying at the end of his sermon, which what more could I possibly say in, in, you know, in regards to that? And there's like 500 people there. And I was like, oh, and this is just not, whew, I'm not sure if I can do this. And uh, I was like, you know, it's fine. I'll just do it. I'll, I got a few days to, to kind of prepare myself and man up, and uh, so I, I, I agreed to do it. We get there, I open up the program, and it still has Kendall McDonald's name listed as the guy that's going to be praying. And I'm like, well, they probably printed these before they knew that he wasn't coming, so that's no big deal. Um, so we go through the entire night, and, and we get down towards the end. Tony Evans delivers a fantastic message, and we get to the end, and the MC, it seems like he's going to wrap it up. Seems like, well, he may not do the prayer. And I was like, ooh, may have dodged a bullet here, may have gotten out of this. And then I see him go over to his podium, and he looks, and he sees the prayer, and he goes, oh, we have Kendall McDonald coming up from Vernodia Hill to lead us in a prayer. And I was like, oh, man, now I've got to go up in front of all these people. Half of them know me, and they already see me walk up there, and they're like, that's not the right guy. And uh, so then I'm feeling, I'm like, I'm feeling like I'm not the right guy for this job. So I get up there and, you know, I just thought, I'm just going to be honest. So I get up there and I say, well, I'm not Kendall McDonald, but I'm much better looking. <laughs> and let's pray together. So that's how we went into it. And today I'm feeling that same kind of pressure. I'm not Kendall McDonald, uh, but I'm much better looking. And we're going to have a good time today. Today we're talking about excuses. You've got them, I've got them, and we're going to pull that Band-Aid off together and get to the heart of the matter. So let's jump in. December 2nd, 
marks nine years for me here at Fredonia Hill, which is crazy. It seems like it's flown by. Um, and for nine years, I've successfully avoided standing right here. Um, it was a pretty good run. It was, it was good while it lasted. I've had good reasons uh, for not being here. I'm usually pretty occupied on a Sunday morning. Um, but if I'm really honest with myself, I just didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to stand here in front of you and, and speak. It's it's an it's a uncomfortable position for me. Uh, you may be thinking, well, don't you stand on front of, in front of uh, people every week? I mean, I'm usually just, you know, three feet back. And uh, yes, I, I do, but, uh, you know, I don't have a band with me. I don't, you know, have a guitar to hide behind. Typically, your, your focus is hopefully, you know, on the lyrics, that, that, you know, or singing, singing, not really focused on me. You might be focused on Drew shredding guitar back over here. He's, he, he draws a lot of attention a lot of times. But here I am today, solo, all eyes on me, my voice and words, the only sound in the room. Uncomfortable, right? You can probably feel it for me right now. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be uncomfortable. I tend to avoid the awkward, the hard things, the stretching. And after years of practice, nine years here, I've gotten pretty good at removing those things from my life, or so I think. We're coming up on a new year, and uh, at the end of last year, Kendall asked me a question, and I don't know if it was a question, more of a challenge, uh, and at the time it irritated me. Uh, he asked, what goals do I need to set for myself in the next year to become the man that God wants me to be? Now that sounds great, but let me tell you why it irritated me. For one, I am not a New Year's resolutions guy. That's just not my thing. Um, you can ask my wife. She always challenges me to do that, and I always push back. But the other was, was deep down inside to answer that question or even to approach that question. I knew that I was going to have to get uncomfortable. I sat with it for a bit, and before long it was clear. Um, and it was simple. In order for me to be the man, the husband, the father, the leader that God has called me to be, I just needed to be willing to be uncomfortable. Not long after I came to that conclusion, this very opportunity uh, came uh, and presented itself. Kendall asked me to preach while he was on sabbatical. And in my gut, that guy that likes to keep things comfortable uh, wanted to respond with a reason why I couldn't do it. And how there's probably someone else who would do a much better job. But instead, in that moment, God placed a passage in my mind. And, I, and granted, this was like February, God placed this passage in my mind and I knew I couldn't say no. And so since February, I've been working on this sermon, so it better be really good. <laughs> let's, uh, let's look at that passage. You got your Bible with us. Let's go turn to Exodus chapter three. We're gonna be in chapter three and four today. Um, we are gonna, I'm gonna read a lot of chunks of scripture, so um, just kind of hang with me. I know it can, it can get kind of arduous sometimes trying to, uh, to sort through some of the Old Testament, but I'm excited about what we've got here. We're gonna be talking about Moses. Uh, Moses is regarded as one of the great leaders of the Old Testament, so I think this is why I'm drawn, uh, drawn to his story. Even leaders struggle, and we're gonna pick up in the story shortly after Moses encounters God in the burning bush. So let's start in chapter three, Verses seven, 
Then the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. And I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, the Perizzites, Hivites, the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me and I've seen, their oppression, seen the oppression of which, um, with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to the Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So we see our call. Um, uh, we see that God heard the cry of his people and he has a plan for their rescue. That in itself is an encouraging thing, even for us today. So often, even like the last song that we just sang, you know, our God is faithful to hear our, our call and our cries, and he has a plan to deliver us. This particular plan involves Moses going to the Egyptians and Pharaoh and leading his people out of Egypt. Seems fairly straightforward and simple, and we're gonna see that it's not. Excuses. This is the part that you're excited about. Uh, I know by looking at me, here, let me get a, make a walk around so you can get a good look at me. I know by looking at me, you assume that I have a very regimented uh, exercise and workout schedule, um, that I play a very, place a very high value on physical fitness. Um, however, you would be mistaken. Uh, this is one of those areas that I uh, probably... Uh, need to get a little uncomfortable in, but that's not what this sermon's about today. Uh, the avoidance of physical exercise is not something that's just uh, isolated to me as an adult. This goes way back, uh, as it all, all things usually do. Um, PE. Some of you, your favorite subject may be PE in school, or was when you were in school. And uh, for me, not so much. I was not a fan of running laps. Uh, I don't know if anybody's really that much a fan. Maybe John. John likes to run. I was not a fan. And, uh, and so um, really anything that would require physical exertion, I had a library of excuses that I could give to my PE coach. And it's crazy. I can see it right now. I can see me walking up to my co coach. <sighs> my stomach hurts today. I don't think I can run. And she'd be like, okay, sure, it's okay. And then I could sit down or... And my head is just really killing me today. I, I don't think that I can, I don't think I can go out and play that game. That seems a little too much for me. Um, you just name it. I, could, I, had a, I had a library, any ache you could possibly think of. And I had no problem using those excuses. Now hold that in mind. And let's jump back into the text because we're about to see a man who every step of the way has been led by God's providence a man who is currently speaking to a burning bush that is God, used every excuse in the book to why he couldn't do what was asked of him. So let's keep reading the story, starting back in verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, this is God saying, but I will be with you and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When, have, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Immediately, Moses comes right out of the gate. 
lays out his first excuse. He's not qualified, but God already had a a response queued up. Um, When I was reading this, I I don't know, if you have children, uh, maybe this is you, I don't know, maybe it's just me, maybe it's just my kids, but um, have you ever asked your, your kid to do something and before you even finish the sentence, the words are coming out of their mouth, I can't, you know? This, this is what I feel like, this is what I feel like is happening, that Moses already knows that he's gonna say no to whatever's about to happen next. And, uh, but God was already there waiting. Um, I feel like this is one of those fatherly moments that God knew beforehand how Moses was gonna respond. And God's response was, well, you can, because I will be with you. God goes on to make a promise that he will deliver them and they will return to this place to worship. Let's keep reading. Back to uh, the scripture. Let's go to the 13, or verse 13. Now, this is a longer chunk. I'm gonna go ahead and warn you right now. My mouth is pretty dry. We're gonna see how well we do in this, but we're gonna read through uh, verses 22. It says, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent, you to, sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt, the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, all those ites, uh, a land of flowing with milk and honey, and they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel should go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold, jewelry, and clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. All right, so the second excuse Moses gives is that he doesn't know enough and he's not equipped to do the task. And we see God's response First off, he gives a reminder. He reminds Moses of who he's talking to. I am who I am. It was not only a reminder to Moses, but a reminder to the people of Israel um, of the promises that had been made generations prior. Then we see a whole chunk of verses, the next six or seven verses, where God gives a very descriptive account of of instructions to Moses. He even says what responses the elders and the people will be. He says the Pharaoh won't make it easy and that God will act on the Israelites' behalf. As I read this passage from my removed vantage point, which is always a really nice place to sit when you you read some of these stories, is I feel like God is giving Moses way more clarity than he actually needs. But this reminds me 
of the love of a good and patient father. Um, Let's keep reading. Uh, Keep trucking on. Let's go to chapter 4. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it, and it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took, took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs uh, or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour, pour it out on dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. I don't know which who brought this to me a while ago, but that was very nice. I'm gonna take a drink and then we'll keep going. All right, so here we are. Moses said, well, what if they don't believe me? Once again, God's response was to show Moses that he is fully equipped to give proof of God's power. And then he even gives Moses options. I love that he gives him several options here of what he can do. But what I love most about the lesson that God is teaching Moses in this moment here involves the staff turning into the snake. If there's one thing that I hate more than exercise... It's snakes. You know, so this moment, this moment would be a very difficult moment for me. Um, But what stood out was here's Moses with all his excuses, feeling ill-equipped and completely uncomfortable. And God asked him a very simple question. God says, what is that? A tool. Nothing you'd shake a stick at. That was a good preacher joke, by the way, guys. I worked hard on that one. But with God, it becomes something extraordinary. You see, Moses already had everything that he needed to accomplish the task. Let's keep reading. His mouth, who has made him each end of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth, who has made him mute or deaf, or seeing, or blind, it isn't, is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with you, or I will be your mouth, and teach you what you shall speak. I can relate to this moment. So I feel Moses' pain. Literally, right now, I feel, I feel his pain. But ironically, in Moses' response, he uses 21 Hebrew words arranged in a somewhat complicated manner to say that he can't speak very good. God's response remains consistent, and he reminds Moses that he is the one who makes man speak and that he will tell Moses what to say. 
Now, before we go any further, keep in mind Moses is still talking to a burning bush. I think sometimes we forget about this. So kids, if you've got your bag, dig in that bag, you will find a picture of a burning bush. Hold that bush up so we can see it. Now, show it to your parents and say, he was talking to God. Okay, y'all don't sound convinced either. Um, But I feel like at this point, Moses may have forgot who he was talking to. And I don't want us to either. So you see, this is the boiling point right here. Let's keep reading in uh, verse 13. I find my place. Okay. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. (laughs) Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand his staff with which you shall do the signs. Here we are. We finally get to the heart of the issue. Moses had every excuse. He, he gave every excuse to God that he possibly could. But the truth finally comes out. He just didn't want to do it. Plain and simple. In, for, in verse 14, we see the first moment of God being described as angry ever in Scripture up to this point. And he's getting angry at Moses the man he is called to lead his people out of Egypt. Scripture doesn't even talk about God being angry at Adam and Eve or before the flood. The literal meaning in this passage in verse 14 is his nose burned hot. Now, I don't know about you. If you've ever, you probably haven't. But if you've gotten angry where your nose, your nose literally burns hot, there's usually no turning back from that. It's not gonna end well from there. And you and, And you would think in this moment that you've got a mere man arguing with the God of the universe that he probably deserved what was coming for him at that point. But notice what comes next. It's not judgment, which is what he deserved. No, God returns to the interaction with patience and love. He he returns with a, a solution He gives Moses what he needs to accomplish the call that God has placed on him. In fact, that solution is already walking down the road. Uh, He's on his way, his brother Aaron. And God says that he knows that Aaron speaks well, so you can go ahead and just get rid of that excuse. And he's on his way to see Moses. He's going to be excited to be a part of this plan. And moreover, God promises to equip both of them the love and the patience of a good father. Now, I don't know where you find yourself today, but I see a lot of myself in Moses. And not the good stuff. I think about what my response would have been if I would have been standing there in front of a burning bush instead of Moses. 
with that gut feeling of, ah, you should probably send somebody else. Or, uh, I am not good speaking in front of people. Would that have been my response? Would I have wanted to stay comfortable living a pretty good life out in the wilderness on my own? Is there something that God is calling you to do but rather you'd want to stay comfortable? Before we close, and we're getting close, I know you guys have been watching that timer, I want to look again at verse 13 because it, when I went back and I saw this, it, it hit me pretty hard. But he, Moses, said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Do you see the irony in that statement? It's not a statement that's limited to Moses. It's something that we do all too often. We sing, we come in here and we pray. We call him Lord. But so often, we follow the next statement of, but no, not me. I don't want to. And like Moses, we have all the excuses. The reality is, is that God's calling you to something. He's calling you to, to do something, to be someone. He's a loving and patient father. He provides everything that we need. But what will your response be when he, ma- he calls you? I'm not qualified. Well, God says, I'll go with you. I'm not equipped. What's in your hand? I'm not talented enough. Who made you? Will your answer be, yes, Lord? Or will it be another excuse? Let's go ahead and stand together. There's going to be these moments where the Holy Spirit is going to tug. And maybe that's right now. If it is, and and you need somebody to talk to, we're going to have some pastors out in the Welcome Center that would love to pray and to talk with you this morning. Maybe it's just coming down here to the altar and spending some time alone with the Lord. Um... But I would encourage you. He is a patient father. Just remember that he will equip you with everything that you need. Let's let's pray together. God, we thank you for your love, for your patience. Oh, it knows no bounds. And even as I think about myself in these in Moses' shoes and how time and time again you responded in love and in patience. You gave him more information than he needed and you gave him away and you promised that you would go with him and that you would deliver him and his people. And yet he still had doubt. He was still uncomfortable. God, I pray that I would not be Moses in that scenario. God, I thank you that you challenge us, that you push us, that you cause us to be uncomfortable because that is where the growth happens. God, teach us to be a people that say yes to you. God, we love you. We give you all glory. Let me pray. Amen.
Amen. Let's worship together.